This morning, if you would, with me, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Thank you. I just seemed good to me in the Holy Ghost to continue this, this series <laughs> on the I Am Essential. We're looking at who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we want to know. That's all we need to know. Really, that's our job as Christians is to know who we are. Because when we know who we are, we'll know what we can do. Therefore, we'll know what we should do. And we'll know what we can have. And we'll know what we should have. Like Barry was saying this morning, virtue will keep you from having a wayward faith of five Cadillacs and, and all of that stuff. Well, that, that was so good, virtue being in that. But that's, who we, that's what we concentrate on. That's, we're, we're not talking about don't sin. Y'all, we know not to sin. And if you talk to somebody about not sinning that's not ready for that, it just goes over their head. It's got to be revelation. Don't y'all know what you used to get away with? You can't get away with anymore. Well, sure. As we grow, as our kids grow, we, we, we gave them more responsibility. In Matthew chapter 16. I've noticed. And uh, I'm sure you have, too. That there's a sweetness that comes to each of us. When we do things that are not required, I believe the biggest rewards of our lives, the things that really pay off, the things that really come back to us and we say, that was good, come not from doing the things that are dutiful. I have a thing about presents, gifts, that it's our culture, it's our system, where at Christmas, for instance, we give to all of our kinfolks that are around, and then what do they do? They give one back to us. We reciprocate. Well, there's not any great glory in that. You gave, they gave. Sometimes if you get into the gift card people or the check people, they gave you the exact amount that you gave them. If you'll cash your check, I'll cash mine. And so there's not much reward from that because it's a reciprocation. It's fun because they got you something you might not have ever bought yourself and vice versa. So there's a there's a value there, but that's not really where the reward is. Same thing with birthdays. If you're in a in a group that you know who you buy presents for and many times they'll buy presents for you. Not always. Sometimes your children. What'd you get me, mama? <laughs> well, what'd you get me, son? What'd you get me, mama? <laughs> so we're in that. And so the sweetest things in life come in the kingdom when we do things that are not required. It's like, well, do this and do that. Don't do this and don't do that. Okay, I can do that. But when we work off of that initiative that's in the Holy Ghost by revelation where we just have it. And nobody knows to hold us accountable. Nobody knows if you did what you were supposed to do or you didn't do what you were supposed to do. It's just between you and yourself. And so we do it. We, we get up. Uh, many times men will get up and make coffee for their wife, or for example, or whatever. And it's like, well, you don't have to. Well, until you do. 
after you've done it a few times, then you do have to do it. But, <laughs> but anyway, you, do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Ghost is wanting to reward us. And it's not by doing things that are already on the list. It's by doing and following through and completing things that he alone whispers into us and say, do this and do that. So everybody's in line for a reward. Everybody's in line for a blessing because there's things that he's talking to you about and you can ignore them or you can test them and then follow through. And you go, well, nobody else in the room had to do that. I did it alone. Yes. And wasn't it a good thing? Just like having river teams. That's a lot of work. Having hosting that at your home. Nobody's asked anybody to do that. But Lynn does that for an example. Just an example. He does that. Then other things that we do that are just arbitrary, but yet to the person that's doing them. They're a mandate. It's like, I, well, I have to do this because he's told me. Well, we didn't tell you. Well, he told me. So as long as that goes. So we have a great life. We have a great life. Matthew chapter 16. I want to I minister to you this morning on the I am essential. And I want to talk about entitlement. You go, what in the world is that? I want us to become entitled. I want us to come so entitled that we're incensed, that we're upset. We're not happy at all when we don't get our entitlement on time. In Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 13, it says, it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. That's kind of your multiple choice answer. And he said to them, but whom say ye that I am? And there is the key question. Whom do you say that I am? Simon answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And, he, and he, he goes on to that. But the question is, is who do men say that I am? So the question that we're asking all the time is whom do I say that I am? It doesn't really matter what other people say that I am. They may say you're a no good, uh, sorry, ring-tailed thief or liar or something. But just because you're a car... Just because you're in the garage doesn't make you a car. And just because they say it doesn't make it true. Is that right? So, so we have to all come to terms with who we are. We, we go to the word and we say, this is who he says I am. And to the point and level and degree that we agree with that, that's who we become. We identify with what someone has said has happened. I was a sorry sinner, fell short of the glory of God, but now I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can go back to that identity or I can come forward and say and say of myself things that don't feel right, don't feel true, don't feel worthy. And yet say that's what he said about me. Therefore, that's who I am. So 
Who are you in him? That is the struggle. That is the quest. That is the journey that we're all on. Who am I in him? Who am I in him? What happened at the new birth? It's kind of a, a time lapse because it happened so long ago. Has anybody in here been born again 30 years? Well, yeah. 40 years? Well, yeah. Well, not, not Matthew, but... Everybody else in here has been married, has been born again a long time. So it happened then, but we're just now discovering what happened then. It was always there. Say it with me. It was always there. It was always there, but we didn't know. Lynn and I were talking this morning about what if, what if we'd have known these things 20 years ago or 30? Oh my word, how would our life be changed if we knew now if we knew then what we know now, oh my word. And yet it was there. And so we can blame the church, blame a preacher. Uh, we had a, a, a Baptist church pastor that when we were um, messing around with the Holy Ghost, we had got baptized in it. We went to him and said, hey, look here. It says in Mark chapter 16, these times shall follow them that believe. He said, oh, no, that's passed away. That's not in the original Manuscript. Well, it's in my Bible. Well, it doesn't matter. And he was adamant. He was just like, sure. So we have to come to grips. You are in a struggle. You are in a fight to identify yourself, how you feel, what others say about you, or what the word says about you. And your whole life depends on how you fall, how you land, how you how you come to terms with that very thing. Uh, Bill Johnson says, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that is not his. Would that be true? I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me. that is not his. So I'm adjusting. We have any adjusters in here? Yes. We're all adjusting. We're all walking up on things that have been there all the time. Saw a house the other day that's been there for 40 years, I suppose. It's always been there since I've been in Tuscaloosa, but I'd never seen it before. Had a red door on it. You go, wow, red door. Never seen it before, but it was there. It was on a street that I go up and down. Never saw it before. There's things we're seeing that we've never seen before. What Barry brought out this morning about virtue. Never, never, never applied that in my life. Because I'm just a believer like you. We're all the same. We're all working out our own salvation. I cannot afford to have a thought in my head about me that is not his. So I'm adjusting. So I have to I have to I have to get in here and find out what his thoughts are about me. Because my head, your head, our heads are running rampant in another direction if we let them go. Like if you take the leash off leash off of your dog. Boom. <laughs> you come back here. 
Not on your life. Not going to happen. First Peter chapter one. Would you turn there for me? First Peter. It's over there, I promise. First Peter chapter one. Verse 23. So what we're doing is we're discovering who we are in order to the bridge that says who, what I have. And can I be healed of anything? Anytime. Can I be healed of anything anytime? Well, I, I, that's what you say. But what do I say? What do I say? Well, it doesn't matter what you say, because you can lay hands on me till the dogs come home, the cows come home, till the horses come home. And if I don't believe it, it doesn't matter. I have to believe it. You can give me your word, your opinion, your, your facts, but until I believe it, it doesn't become reality. So I'm working this out. I'm finding out who I am in order to find out what I have. And what I can do. Can you cast out devils? Well, you think, well, yeah, I can cast out devils. Well, you're talking about the American devils. But there's some African devils that have been entrenched with a witch doctor for decades. And the whole culture is demon possessed, the whole village or whatever. And so when you walk into that little village, you have all authority, absolutely. But uh, you may have to contend with what your eyes and what your ears and what your experience is like you never had in the, with an American devil. Does that surprise you all? Doesn't mean they have more power. They're still just limited. But they have they have a show that they put on that's pure evil. Hamas is pure evil. Hamas is totally dark. But I want to tell you, your neighbor that's not born again is totally dark inside. You go, not Hamas dark. Absolutely. But he, he or she is in America. And there's laws that says if they butcher women and children and, and elderly, they're going to lock them up forever. And so they don't do it. And so you don't see it. But it's in there. It's the same darkness as Hamas as the Houthis, as the Hezbollah, same thing, exactly. And when you see that in the spirit and know we are what the word says we are, then you don't just trust everything. There was a man that had, uh, I, re I read it uh, recently, a man that had uh, 13 pit bulls. Eight of them were puppies and five were adults. And he went out there to feed them. And they completely dismantled his body. And they were his. He was training them. He was raising them. And you may have read about it, but he, I mean, it's like, well, what's that? Well, everything is subject to evil. Even you and I are subject to evil, not subject to, to change or turn, but it will come against you. Even the Lord Jesus had to bear the temptation of evil. And he won it with righteousness. So we're in a very sobering generation. And so just because nobody's coming over and showing you their machete and telling you about somebody that they whacked up in, in Saudi Arabia 
and you go, wow, I never heard of that. Just because just you had not heard that story doesn't mean it's not out there. We need to know who we are. Because someday we will have to demonstrate who we are by what we have and what we can do. And it'll be no different than that. It'll be no more than what you know inside. This is who I am. His name is in me and I have his name and I can do anything with his name. His blood has shed has been shed for me. I'm washed and I, I have total and absolute authority. You have to know that. Not just in doctrine, not just in knowledge. You have to know that inside. I am indomitable. So that's what we're doing. We're just going through and just sh and, and peeling off everything we can that shields us from that. So in 1 Peter 1.23, uh, 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, that's who you are. You're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. That's who you are. Incorruptible. The word of God. So you are equal to, in the sense of, of the dimension of your life, the dimension of the new birth, the dimension of who we are in the Lord uh, God that birthed us by the Lord Jesus. We are we are just like him in the sense of the same source and essence of who he is. We are that the incorruptible word of God is he is who he is. And he said we were born again by that same incorruptible word. Oh, my word. And that'll raise up the stakes a little bit. In the Phillips, it says, for you are sons of God now. The live permanent word of a living God has given you his own indestructible heredity. Wow, we could go there for a while. The, the uh, century of the CP version. You have been refathered, not by a mortal man, but by the immortal word of a living and abiding God. That's me. Y'all, that's me. That's us. The Barclay says you have been born all over again through the agency of the living and lasting word of God. And this time your father is not a mortal man, but the immortal God, our father. We were fathered. We were refathered from above. Now, as soon as you believe that your life changes. The NAB says your rebirth has come not from a destructible, but from the indestructible seed through the living and enduring word of God. Ah, oh, we got stuff that we knew not of. When we get and find out who we are, then we can we can jump. We can connect to what we can do and what we have. So I mean, I'm complete in him. I'm completed him. Turn with me to Colossians chapter two. Slip back to Colossians two. That's where we've been trying to get now for about six weeks is Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verse eight. 
says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So it's talking about who? The Lord Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye, so shift, shift, identify the Father, identify the Son, and then shift to you and me. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's a mouthful. What if that was true? What if that was true? What if what if that was reality that I am complete in him right now, that God's not working on me? He's not working on us. We're complete in him. So what's what's missing? Me agreeing with him. I'm complete in him. I'm complete in him. Say it with me. I am complete in him. What about my failures? What about my sin? What about my mess ups? What about laziness? What about lack of follow through? What, what about stubbornness? And, and, uh, and uh, what about that? I'm complete in him. That stuff's in the flesh. That stuff's out here. It wars against the inside man. But the inside man is working its way to the out. It's working to the out. It's not the outside working in. It's the inside working out. We were born again of corrupt, incorruptible seed, and it is working it out until soon the outside man looks like the inside man. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, if you would. We're right there. Go west, chapter 4 of Galatians, verse 9. Verse 9 says, but now, after that ye have known God. So we're going to just stop there for a moment. Now, after ye have known God. So who is he talking to? Someone that knows God. Or rather are known of God. Yea. How, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements. How can you? Why would you? After you've tasted the, the sweet of the Lord, the best of the Lord, his mercy, his goodness, his graciousness, his long suffering, his provision, his healing, his his comfort. How could you? After ye have known God or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements wherein ye desire again to be in bondage. Could anybody say amen this morning that, that we've been there? We've been there. We've, we've tasted the best. And yet sometimes ye observe days and months and years and, and times and years. And he goes on to that, uh, about that. The New Living says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. We would say amen right there. I am no longer a slave. Uh, Deborah Ann was praying this morning about how we're, we're, not, we're not 
servants, but we're sons who serve. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So now that you know God, or for should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Why? I think Paul was telling the church of Galatia, y'all are fixing to have a train wreck. Got you out here, got you delivered, got you saved, got you filled with the Holy Ghost, got you healed, got you fixed, got your mind straightened out. You were, you were, you were a train wreck in every way. And here the Lord just come in and delivered you and showed his mercy on it, on you. And I step aside, I go over to another town, I go down the road for a few days and come back and you're already back after it. It's like when, when Moses went up Sinai and when he came down, they throwed some, uh, Aaron said, we didn't do this. The gold nuggets that were on our bodies just jumped into this mold and it was a golden calf. And it's like, oh, wow. But I'm complete in him. That's all you need to know. I mean, we're going to know a lot more than that. But that's all we need to know is I'm complete in him, that it's done. That there's nothing left to be done. I, what about provision? It's done. I'm complete in him. I have all provision. I have everything I need for everything I need. You're not waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to giddy up a little bit up there. He just doesn't know that how much I need this. Yeah, I'm complete in him. Healing. What, what are you waiting on? Uh, I'm waiting on God to see how bad I am. I've been complaining. I've been, I've been moaning and, and telling him how terrible it is. And still there's nothing. Oh, but I'm complete in him. I wish these people quit picking on me. I'm complete in him. Well, amen. There was a woman, you've seen this woman, you've seen this man that was in a handicapped space. You often, this is what's kind of irritating, I guess, to the righteous, is they zip into that handicapped space at Walmart or wherever. They zip into it. They didn't just amble in and like their car was on a cane. But they park in the handicapped space and they outwalk you into the store. <laughs> <laughs> and so you look in her car, his car, and there's there's a tag there. I've been with numerous kinfolks over the years that says, let's go in mine that way. Uh, Y'all take my car because it's got a tag. You know, the, the one that was handicapped wasn't even going. But y'all take my y'all take my tag, put it in your car so you can park up close. What, what is the word for that? It's called Entitled. Say with me, entitled. Access is not permission, but people that have access treat it like permission. If I can do it, then I will do it. Uh, everybody in here has had a fuss with somebody over an apology that they wouldn't give. Well, you just need to apologize. We've all done that. There's nobody in here that says, except for me, I'm the holy one. No, we're all guilty of that. Where we demanded and were demanded of, of, for an apology. 
And uh, and why was that? Because we were wronged. The only reason you want an apology is because you were wronged. Is that right? Of course, I was wronged. And therefore, I'm entitled to have an apology. Or maybe not. It's handy. It soothes the feelings and the emotions calm down if they grovel and snivel and 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 swear they'll never do it again. And. But you might not get one. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can have a Mexican standoffs, as they say, where you just say, OK, buddy, you you made you made your stand here. You won't give me an apology. And I'm obviously do one. You're going to suffer. This is going to cost you. I'm taking this into the future. How many of y'all know that's entitled? It's not what we do. It's what we want to do. Um, and so there was a controversy a couple of years ago, I remember, where, and this is kind of weird for church, but they, were, they had a controversy because people were taking their food stamps into strip clubs and, and using them. They said they had a hardship and they were entitled to go into the strip clubs or the, the lounge or, or maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't a strip club so much. It was a lounge. It was a bar. It was a whatever. And so they were entitled because, after all, they possessed those food stamps and the law allowed them to go wherever they wanted to go. So they were entitled. That wasn't the law's intent. Um, you know the story about millionaires that draw Social Security. Would you say they're gaming the system? Well, you go, but, but legally they can. But it's not right. Because Social Security wasn't made for that. I didn't get, Joe, you're the only yes I got in here. Social Security was not made that. Well, I paid into it. Well, that's not what it was made for. Uh, I wrote down here, I read about a $500,000 lottery winner who refused to give up her monthly government check. She said she deserved it. She'd always drawn it. And she was entitled. So we, you could go on list after list. And these aren't even the best ones that you could have. You all know stories of people that are entitled. It doesn't serve us well to be entitled in the world. Let me remind you that the world is not fair. Say with me, the world is not fair. Do not get upset with the world. It is not fair. It is gamed against you. It is, it is, it is decked against you. It is not fair to you because you're not a conniver. You're not a liar. You're not a thief. You're not a, a, uh, you're not a rumbler. And so if you don't do that, if you don't slip something up under the table, it's not fair to you. You got to get your stuff another way. I'm in, I'm complete in him. So entitled, I wrote down entitled is an expectation of what is outside of what is right and normal. An entitlement is an expectation outside of what is right and normal. So you can hold out for that apology. And everybody in here, I would suppose unless you're more virtuous than I've ever dreamed, has held out for an apology. 
until they finally had to give up on it and just say, for the good of the family, for the good of the cause, for the good of, I'm going to let it go. But then sometimes you don't know if you've really let it go. Because way down the road, when something else comes up, what comes up? Well, remember back when that was when we were talking and, and you said this and I said that and it comes back up. So it never got dealt with, did it? Amen. Colossians 2.10 says, I'm complete in him. I'm complete in him. I am complete in him. We don't need entitlement. You don't have you don't have to have a handicap sticker. You don't have to have a government check for the lotto. By the way, all the lotto tickets that we would cash in would be the ones we found in the parking lot. Is that right? <laughs> so somebody's already fixed this for us. Somebody has already fixed the entitlement that you and I don't have. We're complete in him. So we don't even want it. And we don't begrudge it when we don't get it. And we don't complain about people that are entitled. I'm telling you, she outwalked me briskly, I mean, which is no big deal. I mean, that's not like that was fast. No, not necessarily. I'm not fast on any given day, but I didn't have a sticker in my mirror. And she was she was stepping it off. So the world's unfair. Y'all do know the world's unfair. Why do we complain? I'm going to ask you. Why do we complain about the world being unfair when we know the world is unfair? It is. It is, it is fixed for them. It is entitled for them. Being entitled is like cutting in front of the line. It's like when you're on the interstate and they get on the shoulder and they, they go down the shoulder and then, then squeeze in a quarter mile ahead of you. And what you're thinking is what I've always thought. Well, I could have done that. It didn't take a rocket scientist to do that. I could have done that. I am complete in him. I am complete in him. I am absolutely, totally, and perfectedly complete in him. If you stay in the entitlement sector of the world, if you go there where you are entitled to things that are in the world, that you have a right to things, I have a right to that, it implies in your thinking that you can't get that in the kingdom. Why would you want it except you want something that you can't get somewhere else? It's like getting something on sale. I don't really need this. I don't even really want this, but it is on sale. <laughs> so it limits us. It dishonors us to be upset over being disentitled when it's not us. You know, welfare, and there's a, there's a hundred ways to step on a landmine here, and I'm trying, I'm trying not to step on any. 
but, but no doubt welfare was started for a legitimate reason. And if you've ever been with mamas that had, had babies and had no food, you, you would be for it. If you were ever uh, with people that were homeless and out, you would say, we got to do something. And so it was started with legitimate reasons, but it, it can't cover everything. And so it always had failures that people would exploit and they would they would then exploit them. Uh, I, I read that the immigrants from in New York that had been promised a luxury apartment complex that was empty. That there was so much outcry about the entitlement that it was coming out of the veterans checks, veterans funds to pay for that, that the governor finally backed off, but nobody knew about it until somebody knew about it and told everybody, and so he finally backed off. So there's a lot of entitlement going on out there. I would say that if you think that we're not a banana republic, that Mexico is corrupt, and it is, and that uh, Russia is corrupt, and it is, but America's not corrupt, you'd have to say that America was full of people that are all Christian. Because you have to be Christian not to be corrupt and be entitled. The reason, let me just stop here. Just let me stop here just for a second and tell you why America's blessed. America's blessed because of founding fathers. And they put documents in there that lifted up the Lord Jesus. The preamble in all 50 states, give thanks to God, glory to God for their state. Every, every one of the 50 and so the, when we took prayer out of schools, when we took a lot of things out of schools and out of our society, we walked further and further away from those original founding documents that put God first. That was the only difference. It's not our resources, although America has got more than anybody. California would be the eighth most prosperous country by itself if it was to secede. Amazing what America is, but America, you see, is moving further and further towards secularism. And the reason is, is we're moving further and further away from the word of God. And that's that's the total of it. And so it's still there. We still have a preeminence. We still have an advantage. We still have a strength. We still have a prowess. Our intellectual ability is is dominates every country in the world. There's a light in America that's not in other nations. So we develop and invent and, and uh, put things together that no other nation can and they have to steal it from us. The thieves in Russia and China, they steal from us because they can't develop it on their own. And the reason that we have it is not because we have smart people or because we have our particular democracy. It's not democracy. It's that we set God into our foundation. But as we remove him more and more, then these things diminish in their light and it gets darker and darker. And that's where it's going. So we, we need a revival in our, in our nation. Um, I actually tried to pray for a man when we were in the Coker church that had a terrible disability. And uh, he would not let me pray for him because the power to heal was present. But he got a disability check every month. And he, he told me, this ain't happening. Don't, don't touch nothing. And I was, I was just shocked beyond words. Uh, 
We have entitlement in churches. We fight it here. We fight entitlement that you get to sit in a certain seat because you've been here longer or anything. Uh, in some churches, they, they bestow honors or titles. They give you a parking space out front that says Elder, Elder Doodly Doo and Elder Daddly Dad. They get to park here because they're elders or the, the, they're the pastor. That's entitlement. They wear long robes. They wear pointy hats. They swing the smoky machine. All those things are entitlements and they, they give their personnel based on their hierarchy, the Pope being the highest, but they have um, the reverend, the right reverend, the very right reverend, and the very reverend. Those are all different distinctions about who they are. And then you have bishops, which is actually a, a biblical title, but you ought to be a bishop, you ought to be a biblical bishop if you're gonna be called a bishop. If you're going to accept that title, you ought to be doing bishoping things. Just saying. Uh, that's all entitled. Being offended is entitled. The Bible says we have no right to be offended. Our, we have no reputation. We are bought with a price. We're not our own. So we have no right to be offended. People that leave church on their own based on an offense, are wrong. You ought to be able to come to the pastor. I'll just put this out here this morning. You ought to be able to come to the pastor and say, the Lord is leading me. Would you pray? But I've heard it said, well, pastors can't pray that prayer because they're, they're going to want everybody. You might be surprised. Like, you know, like Pastor Hagen used to say, E-X-I-T, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Well, we're not that way, but, but surely you know that it's a spiritual decision and the pastor can make spiritual decisions. And so someone says, you know, I'm feeling led to go. That's, what ha that's how we left the assembly in Seagraves. We went to the pastor and said, we think we're supposed to start going to church in Seminole. We need your blessing. And he got up and got the whole church to bless us and, and we were blessed. But just, just disappearing is not... That's entitled. Its access is permission, but it's not permission. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. The volunteerism in a church, I'm just going to get off on it this morning. We may have to take this one out, Barry. But volunteerism in the church is not biblical. We're all supposed to be in our place as if the high command, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, put us there. And that just because you can leave without him smiting you and striking you and, and cutting your legs off or whatever, doesn't mean that we have a right to just adjust and leave and be offended and puffed up and quit giving. Entitlement is everywhere. And it's, 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 it's messing up the church. The first thing when people come to church, when they join a church, the last thing to come is their money. And, and nothing wrong with that. But our money belongs to God. And so if you, don't, if you, get, if you give it to First Church the, or if you give it online to Brother Copeland or if you give it here, it's not really based on your approval rating for the pastor. 
He's supposed to be getting it somewhere. It's just a matter of where. But money's the last thing to come when people join a church. But as you know, money's the first thing to leave when people are leaving a church. Oh, money is carnal. It can be. If the person's carnal, it, it definitely turns the money into carnal. So, but we don't get excited about it one way or the other because we're not entitled. We're entitled, I'm entitled personally to, to be here this morning. I'm entitled by the grace of God to be here and by your good pleasure. But every one of you have a vote. You vote with your feet. Just don't show up next Sunday. And you voted. And you set the record straight. You set the thing in, in line. But you need to know if the Lord didn't say miss next Sunday, you got to deal with him. He's not going to whack you, but it's, 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 we ought to be. Anyway, anyway, you know what the deal is. So we want to live above. I like what Barry taught on this morning, virtue, where you, you, the excellence of God constrains us to stay right with him and right with our faith. We should all be one thing that we outcompete. Only one thing that you can compete with, and that's to outlove one another. I love you more than you love me, Joey, but I'm, ask, I'm asking you to narrow the gap. That's what I say. I said, I, I'm, I'm ahead of you, but you can, do, you can do something else. Other than that, there's no competition. All of us are righteous. All of us. I'm standing up here by virtue of a biblical office that actually I remember coming down in me like a nickel goes or a quarter goes down in, a, in an old telephone booth where you hear that thing going down like in a Coke machine. I, it happened. It's just like it wasn't and then suddenly it was. So it, if, if, if people say we don't want you anymore, it doesn't mean I'm out of business. It just means I'm looking for the next place of business because that's who I am. That's who I am. I'm a pastor. That's who I am. So that's what I'm going to do. Y'all are pleased, like, kind of like marriage. If she's pleased to stay with you, let her stay in marriage. So that's if y'all are pleased with me, you let me stay. So here I am. Amen. Uh, I'm complete in him. So if you have a church that's complete in him, you have no limitations. The boundaries are off. Because we're not competing with each other. And we all have the same agenda to get this out to other people. We just, we just want, we want them to get born again, of course. Because that's the first step in getting them complete. But we want them to be complete in him. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you to be where you are? Don't ever believe you got there by yourself. Don't ever. It didn't happen. It can't happen. It didn't happen. And so we should pray for other people. We should come together and pray. You should pray for people. That's one thing that River Teams does is we get together and we pray for people. That's one thing we do before services. We pray for people. Because we had that same opportunity Let's see if I missed anything. Reverend, right reverend, very right reverend, 
Wrong, Reverend. That's what I think. <laughs> so I'm not entitled except in him. And here's the key. If we could be as entitled in him, bless God, I'm a healer. Bless God, I'm a healer. If you come into the realm of my life and you ask of him something that's in me, you're going to get healed. That's entitled. Well, who do you think you are? Remember the story in the Old Testament where uh, uh, Aaron and his sister, was there, what, was, what was Moses' sister's name? Miriam, yes. And remember that, that, that uh, oh, that was a bonehead play. They came to Moses and said, how come you get to do all the doing, all the talking and all the bossing? And Moses, he could have said, because I'm the head honcho. And I, I've, I've, I've paid for this thing. He said, he said, far be it from me. He said, let God speak. Let God speak. And, and if whoever he chooses, it'll be fine. And suddenly Miriam turned white as snow with leprosy. It was an unhandy day for Miriam. I don't remember what happened to Aaron. But it smoked his enchilada. He, he didn't mess with Moses anymore. Well, that's the way we all are. We don't care. Do you care? No, we don't care. I just want him. So be entitled in him. We're developing an entitlement that is away from the world and in him. Bless God, I am. I'm entitled. I've got the healer in me and I'll lay hands on you and it's, things will change. You got a devil? You, got, you, you being harassed by devils? It'll be no problem. We can take care of them right now. See, we've got to get that entitlement inside of us. It says, that's who I am. Therefore, that's what I do. And that's what I have. Amen. Father, we thank you for a change, a shift in River Church. I thank you, Lord God, that we're, we're, we're off the fence. We're, if we ever were, we're off the fence, Lord. We're in. We are bought with a price. We are bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. I am not my own. I am not my own. Therefore, I give glory to you. I, I, that's who I am. I'm bought with a price. I have no rights. I have no, nobody owes me an apology because I'm bought with a price. I, I'm yours. So thank you, Lord, for doing a work through us. We just want to be used. We, we so want to be used with our one and only life. And we give you thanks, Lord, that as we surrender to you, that you will start dispensing your assignments to us, each one of us. And the empowerment to do them will be there in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow, the clock's broke this morning. So.